0: You are listening to the Grow Law Firm Podcast, where each guest shares actionable, practical ideas with you on how to get more clients, expand your reach, and grow your law firm's revenue and profit. Here's your host, Sasha Burson. Welcome to the Grow Law Firm Podcast. I have an amazing guest here with me today, Dorna Moini. Forgive me if I'm butchering your last name, of gravel.io, which I checked out the platform. I absolutely love what it is that the platform does for lawyers. And you are also, you used to be an attorney before, and this child of yours, this platform, came out from some of the issues that you have experienced when you were practicing law. Share your journey.
1: Exactly, yeah. Thank you so much, Sasha, for having me. Uh, really excited to chat about myself and Gavel. Uh, we. So my history is that I was an attorney. I, I still am an attorney, I guess, because I keep my bar license active but i practiced for almost a decade and in that practice i did a lot of work on uh, pro bono with domestic violence survivors and what i wanted to do at the time was provide some form of technology to streamline that the legal processes that we provided to domestic violence survivors because i was finding that i was not able to spend as much of my time as i as i wanted on these types of cases and particularly on the Fact-intensive and legal-intensive parts of these cases. Rather, I was spending a lot of my time on the early phases of the case that were rules-based and process-oriented. Um, and at the same time, we also had a lot of people coming in through the door who wanted to use uh, who wanted to use our legal services, and we weren't able to serve them all. So, at the time, I uh, I was an, you know I, I didn't know how to code, and so I got together with a friend of mine who was an engineer, and I said hey, will you help me build something, sort of like TurboTax, where you can get onto the platform, answer questions, be routed down different paths, generate all the documents that you need at different phases of your case, but not for tax obviously for domestic violence law and specifically at the time in California. So we, uh, we built that, we launched it, we had a bunch of users at, at law firms, at legal aid organizations, consumers using the platform. And then what happened was that we started getting all of this inbound interest from other lawyers. And what they were saying is, hey, we would like to build something like what you built for domestic violence survivors in California, but for totally different areas of law and completely different jurisdictions. And so that was, uh, for us, sort of this aha moment of, okay, how can we help lawyers and legal professionals get more access to the customers that they want, the clients that they want to be serving and serve them in a way that's efficient, but also allows them to scale out their practice. And so that was the, that was the base for Gavel. Um, We launched Gavel. Gavel is a platform, a no code platform, meaning you don't need to know anything about coding that allows you to take all of your expertise and turn them into these workflows that you can then interact with, with your client. So it includes everything from client intake, to document automation, to the full client portal, to even billing features within the platform that you can use to, 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 to grow your law firm, uh, as, it's, as the name suggests.
0: You know, a, what really caught my attention on your website, first time I visited was, I think there's a slogan that goes something like this, and I'll probably butcher it just a little bit. And that is, if a process has to be repeated, it can be automated. I have a huge personal peeve. Whenever I have to do manual work that I know was done before, and yet here I am doing it again, and I know it can be automated, I get this gut wrenching feeling every time that happens. And I'm just like, I am effing, wasting time. This drives me crazy. So when I read that slogan, I'm like, amazing, just so absolutely true. amazing. Right. So, so there is document automation, meaning you type it in once. It goes into every appropriate document based on a workflow. For those people who may not understand how workflows work in online-based software, can you give an example, for example, a criminal defense attorney or an estate planning attorney or whatever other practice area that you guys cover with the platform? Give a couple of examples.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So maybe I'll start with the estate planning ones, since you mentioned it. So we have a lot of estate planning attorneys on our platform, and what they do is they get onto the platform and they first look at the set of documents that they want to generate at each phase of a particular matter. So as an example, that could be a will, a power of attorney, a healthcare directive, um, you know, some other additional documents for the spouse. So they know these are the documents that they need. At the same time, they know that there are certain pieces of data that they need from the client that are custom, you know, specific information to the client that will dictate, how this document is actually generated so they they sit back and they look at their documents and they think about that Those different pieces of data and then they build those into gavel. So they create questions for all of them They will say okay. What's as a simple example? What's your name? What are all your children's names? Who are all the trustees? Where do they all live? What are the dates of birth anything that you would need to know? In order to make decisions on how that document is going to be generated so you, you create those questions and then as part of that workflow, you're also creating logic. So um, Sasha, one of the examples that you just gave was you have information and you plug it into different parts of the document. So definitely that is, that is the base and most simple version of, of automation and document automation. But it goes so much deeper than that. If you can take a part of your document and place an if this, then that type of rule to it, then you can automate it. So even if that, if that rule is very, very long, so for example, you might say, if the person has more than three children and more than two of them are minors and they live in California and they're in this specific county, then I wanna put this particular clause in my document. Um, that's, 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 that's all logic that you would build out inside of gavel. So it consists of that client intake, uh, which could be, a, could be completed by your own team or could be completed by your client. Then it goes into the documents to determine how those documents are generated. And then you also have all sorts of interactions with your client through the portal, whether that's them loading documents or even potentially you, when we talk about things that can be repeated, one of the things I tell our our customers all the time is, is there something that you're constantly describing to your customers over and over again? So for example, I was talking to a, a bankruptcy lawyer the other day and they were saying, you know, they have to explain to them the specific nature of different debts. And so, and they do this to every single one of their one of their um, clients. And so what they did is they actually just created a video of that. It was a video of themselves t- t- talking about this process and they placed it inside of the workflow so that the client watches like a 30 second clip of this, a minute, a minute clip of this. And now they, when they talk to the client, they can focus on the parts that really are bespoke, are necessary to be, to be client specific.
0: Does Gavel actually send them an email, meaning the client? Does it send them an email with the link to the video or with the video actually embedded there?
1: Yes, so that's possible. Typically what people do is they put those videos inside of a longer process. So mm. for example, they might have a client intake and on page four, after you filled out a bunch of information on yourself, you have a video or an image that explains some piece of the process. So typically that like, goes hand in hand with collecting information in, in other ways. And if any, if you or any of your listeners are also familiar with TurboTax, um, that's a really good analogy because, like, I know I've interacted with TurboTax in the past, and when you go through the platform, it's 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 both c- taking information from you and also giving information to you that will help you become more more uh, knowledgeable and really empower you as a as a client to to understand what the legal process that you're going
0: through is. Got it. So. Someone who may be watching this or listening to this may be going to themselves like, oh, this is pretty cool. But to me, this is nothing short of amazing, and here's why. So let's use an example of an estate planning attorney who is busy but not ridiculously busy. Let's say that they're working on 10, 12 cases a month. How much time does this save them per case basis?
1: Yeah, great question. Um, and I will add a little bit to your question. So, um, in terms of time saved, we we actually did recently did a study on three different practice areas that are tip, that are very often built on our platform: estate planning, family law, and corporate. And we surveyed uh, our some of our customers on their automation processes, and we found that they saved between eighty five and ninety percent of the time that they were previously spending on these types of types of do- document drafting and these types of processes. But I think what's even more important is we, we see a big focus on efficiency. So that that's baseline. You have to have efficiency. You have to be saving time. And, and that, that brings you either time to spend on more cases or gives you more time to spend with your family or whatever else you want to do. Another aspect that I think is also valuable in addition, in addition to the efficiency aspect is the revenue opportunity. Because... We see, so we actually have a feature within our platform called bundles, and it allows you to insert paywalls that we that we help you that we support through, and you can charge for different processes in the platform. And so, one thing that we've seen a lot of our customers do is turn their legal services into legal products, where they can now turn their their law firms into legal technology businesses that they serve on a volume basis. So whereas previously you may have been able to, you know, like the family law context is an example that we see a lot. We have a lot, we have several customers actually, who are building tools that allow uncontested divorces to happen almost entirely through software. And then they charge those clients for those uncontested divorces, a flat fee or a subscription fee through our platform. And so they no longer have to spend time on those cases. Maybe they were already turning away those cases, but nay, they now have this platform that allows them to be more of a recurring revenue business. Um, and, and to be honest, that was one of the biggest revelations for me for, in going from a law firm and going into the technology world was all of the different pricing models and the business models that we don't typically talk about at law firms when we're, when we're billing on the billable hour
0: yeah a couple of really important points here that I'd like to unpack. Number one, eighty five to ninety percent cut to the time spent on preparing those documents. To me, eighty five to ninety percent in this case means nothing. What does that translate into in terms of minutes or hours?
1: Yeah, so it obviously would depend on the type of documents you have and how how long you're spending on them. But for example, like we were seeing um, a, estate planning attorneys who were spending, Five ish hours on drafting these initial sets of estate planning documents, um, like the example I gave before, like the will, the power of attorney, spousal documents, and now they're they're spending about thirty minutes, uh, and most of that time is spent one one they're sending out a link to their clients to fill out a lot of that information so that the client can actually do the intake, which is by the way a huge client. Uh, client, a piece that clients really appreciate because they don't necessarily want to come into your office and talk to you one-on-one. They'd rather sit in front of Netflix, open up their phone on a mobile-friendly interface and enter, and enter all their information about their case, uh, about their matter and their family. So then that information gets automatically funneled in and what the attorney can do is they pull those documents up and their work now is just reviewing, is making sure that everything looks like what it should be and then talking about that to the client. Um, and then obviously, there are maybe parts of cases that can't necessarily be automated, automated at all, where you really need to have one-to-one client service. But that's where, that's where now you can spend more of your time.
0: Yeah. So, okay. So, in this example, it's a 90% time saving. So, imagine this. Five hours turn into 30 minutes. Let's say that attorney does 12 cases per month. That is a time saving of approximately 50 hours per month. So if you work 40, well, if you work 12 months a year, let's say if you work 11 months a year, the rest is your time off. Well, you can give yourself another four weeks off. Exactly. Because you automated this. So this is is the first point that I want you to unpack. And thank you for clarifying those 85 to 90% time saving. The other point is, and I never spoke about this, But I am a firm believer that a lot of legal work is soon going to be offered in three different service types. A lot of it. It's going to be the traditional done for you, where the lawyer does everything. It will be what you describe as done with you. You're the one filling out the forms. I am reviewing them and consulting you and filing them and and i'm not talking about legal zoom i'm talking about next level it's diy do it yourself a lot of simple things with the advancement of ai and this is kind of ai-ish type of platform because there are workflows that are automated right there will be clients who will come and say like i don't want to pay for done for me i think this is simple enough where I feel everything out and you do it with me and I will not pay you the full fee. And if, if you have a natural tendency, when you hear this to resist this, I think this change is going to happen. It's already happening, whether you like it or not. So you can roll with the change and accept it as the new norm or resist it and say, I'm only going to work with clients who are done for me type of clients. And, And that's fine. Just be mindful of that as the years roll by, or maybe in this case, as quarters roll by, as things evolve very rapidly, you may start getting left behind, as in your revenues will start shrinking. And it may be okay because you're busy as is, and now you will take on less clients, but you will continue to make decent money. But if you want to grow, and often enough, if you want to sustain at the current revenue level, you will have to match the market's expectation, which, again, could be done for you, done with you, or do it yourself. So I think Gravel, and I didn't know this about Gravel, Gravel will allow you to match those models because of this automation that it offers. So that's really amazing stuff.
1: Absolutely. And actually, one thing I, I, I completely agree with you on those three pillars of, of legal service delivery, and one thing I'll maybe even add to that is I think there's also a big place that we're seeing in the market for a combination of two and three, which is that you have these types of legal products that maybe are partially DIY, but then require a little bit of attorney assistance within the different phases of the case. So one example of this that we, that we see often is, um, well, we see this in, in a few areas. I'll give two examples. One is within family law. You may have documents that can be generated for you as the client, And you can take those to the court and you can go ahead and go ahead and file them. And you take that phase, but then maybe you need a little bit of advice and counsel. So you come back to the attorney and you say, Hey, will you in between these different phases of my case, provide me two, three, four hours of just sit down and, and, and work with me through what, what my strategy is. Um, Another example that we see quite often is attorneys who are building forms sites uh, meaning, for example, you might be an, an employment attorney and you provide a lot of litigation, employment litigation to your clients, but you also very often get clients coming to you for employment transactional documents that are, that are more standard. So like offer letters, separation agreements, um, even arbitration agreements with all the law that, that changes on a, on a frequent basis. So you provide them a form site. And uh, we see, we've seen a lot of our customers do this through Gavel. And what, you, what they do is they can access it on anything that is more simple. So if it's a simple termination, they can access the system, process the, separ- the separation agreement and provide it to their, to their um, employees or to their clients. But if it's something more complex, so for example, we saw, we've seen people flag things like, if someone is of a protected class and they've made a bunch of complaints about that recently, then you might need to actually come back to the attorney and talk one-on-one through this process. So there's a, I think there's a big role also for this hybrid model of combining those two.
0: Yeah, makes sense. You know, last year, when Chad rolled rolled out, really rolled out in a big way, it was GPT-3 at the time. There was a lot of talk in the legal industry about, oh my God, this thing is going to crush us. And so many of us are going to be out of work. But I really think as I listen to you, what is much more likely to happen is that those who adapt to change quickly will replace those who don't. So it's going to be an attorney who implements all these things, who is going to replace three, four, five other attorneys. It's not the AI that's going to replace them. It's just you adapt to the change, you can get more business, and in this business it is a zero-sum game you cannot produce more clients right there is a pie and everyone wants a slice of that pie and if you adopt this technology arguably the cost of delivering the service is going to fall because you're no longer spending five hours on this you're spending 30 30 minutes on this and as it does you can service a lot more clients and at a certain point price will fall because of that But if you're the one who adopted and you have effective, here's a little plug for good marketing teams. If you have an effective marketing team, they're going to be driving more business to you. And instead of saying like, oh my God, I need to hire more attorneys, you're like, sad. Because now one attorney can do three, four times as as many cases as they used to because automation.
1: Yes, agree. Although I will challenge you on one piece of that, which is the pie. I think that the pie is actually enlarging. Because in, in the U.S. specifically, we have a huge population who does not have access to legal services, and the reason for that is they can't access, they can't afford four hundred plus dollars an hour, which is the average attorney's rate in the U.S. However, they do have disposable income. They have legal needs, and they have some form of disposable income that is of some lower rate, below four hundred dollars an hour. And so, if you are providing, I'm a very big believer of legal products. If you are providing legal products that combine your expertise and your bespoke services with the technology that you can provide, you are, are going to be able to scale by providing lower cost services to a much larger community of, of, of uh, you know, end users and clients. So I think there's actually a big revenue opportunity there in enlarging the pie of legal consumers.
0: Potentially, I kind of disagree with your disagreement and here's why if you need a legal service, like in case of criminal defense, you're going to charge it to a credit card. You're going to make sure that you somehow pay for it because you need it, right? In those instances where it's a nice to have is where you do need that disposable income to pay for it. So for example, with estate planning example, um, if you can't pay, and based on the gamut of clients that we have that do this, right? A typical estate plan, depending on where you're in the country, you're probably looking for most folks, not like a very wealthy, not very complex situations, it's four to five thousand dollars. But I think most people can afford to spend four to five thousand dollars if they actually have something to divvy up once they're gone, right? And those who cannot afford to do it, they probably do not have very much left to divvy up. So I'm not sure about enlarging the pie. I think that the pie is growing with population growth, but also the number of attorneys has been growing for some time. So I think that just by being more efficient, you, if you are a law firm owner and you're listening to this, you as a law firm owner will be able to dedicate more of the mental space to thinking about how to get more clients, how to generate more revenue, and how to make yourself more profitable. That's how you can enlarge your slice of the pie. And those who are not thinking progressively in the sense, I'm not talking about politically, but progressively in the sense of implementing technology, their slice of the pie is going to continue to erode. It's just going to get smaller and smaller and smaller. And there are some people who are thinking, who are talking about major, major changes in the legal industry in the next five to 10 years. They're probably coming. So if you kind of bury your head in the sand, and think that it will not affect you, probably will. And another thing, and this is me thinking back to the great recession of 2008, 9, 10, 11, 12. A lot of folks who in 2007 were fe- feeling fairly wealthy and be like, going to retire in the next few years, what happened to them in 2008, 9, 10, they weren't feeling that anymore. So when I talk with and I get to talk to, couple hundred attorneys, one-on-one every year, at least. I'm not that I'm talking about like group where I do speaking, but but just like one-on-one. And sometimes you talk to someone who is in their early 60s and they're like, yeah, I'm going to do it for a few more years. And I keep thinking about like 2007 and then 2008 and what you think is a few more years might actually be quite a few more years. Mm-hmm. So if you think that you don't need to make like these changes now, you may be really surprised in a bad way in the next two, three years because, and I'm not a doomsday, doomsday sayer, but because I do think that we're in for some sort of a recession. And there is a lot of data that pinpoints that that recession maybe happening next year, 2024. We're recording this in October of 23. So like second half of 2024, there will be a lot of corporate debt that's due That many corporations will not be able to probably refinance at anywhere near the rates that they're paying for now. So, recent, recent survey of various groups in the economy, influential groups in the economy, showed that the people who are stating that a recession is coming, the largest group of those are corporate CEOs. 84% of corporate CEOs said that yes, there is a recession coming. Most other groups are like, lower probability or fewer of them think that the recession is coming. So what is it that CEOs of large corporations know that others don't? They're concerned about their balance sheets. They they have huge amount of debt that they do not have the cash to just repay. We're talking about hundreds of billions of actually like trillions of dollars that will be due for a refi, refinance, or it will be due, it needs to be paid off over the next two to three years. And they have no means of repaying that. So they will be refinancing from something that was two, three, four percent to something that will be 8%, 9%, 10%. And what's going to happen is they're going to have to slash their expenses to just service that debt or pay that interest. Sorry, I have, I've studied economics back in college, economics, business, and finance. So I can like geek out on this stuff. But, but going back to the point, if you think that a change is not coming until you're ready to retire, you might be wrong. So you should be implementing this type of change to protect to protect your upside
1: absolutely yeah unless unless you're uh, and hopefully you're in a, a countercyclical cyclical uh, practice area but yeah i completely agree and and in fact i would say that even if you do decide that you want to retire if you set up a system that is going to continue to operate without you it'll be easier to sell your practice to have it continue running without you to have you go part-time it gives you so many more options and opportunities once you reach that stage where you decide you don't necessarily want to practice in exactly the same way that you were before. And I think that applies across the board, whether you're, whether you're planning on retiring or whether you just decided you want to have a, spend a little more time with your kids and um, cut your hours by, by a little bit more time.
0: Yeah. I'm so thrilled that you brought up it the point that it would be a little bit easier to sell your practice. I don't think it would be a little bit easier. I think it would be a lot easier to sell your practice at a higher valuation, because if I was in the market to buy a law firm and I really think that a lot of states are going to deregulate the industry and allow non-lawyers to acquire law firms. It already happened in one state, I think Colorado, I think Arizona is well on its way and it's going to fall like a house of cards. Like everyone's going to adopt this because, Arguably, you can buy any other business without having a professional license. Like, why can't you buy a law firm as long as you're not actually practicing law and you hire a bunch of lawyers? Like, it used to be that you couldn't buy a dental practice. Now, a lot of dental practices are part of networks that were were bought by private equity funds. So I'm thinking if you adopt this change and your competitor doesn't adopt this change and I am a potential acquirer and I'm looking at two offers. For this law firm, it takes five hours to produce this set of documents. And for this law firm, it takes 30 minutes to produce this set of documents. And you guys are charging arguably similar amount of dollars. Your profit margins are so different. This thing is going to be so much more valuable than this thing.
1: Mm-hmm. Very true. Yeah, there are so many aspects that it helps you today, tomorrow, and beyond by, by thinking about how you can improve those processes sooner, sooner rather than later.
0: Yeah. Your pricing, and I haven't really examined it, but your pricing is fairly modest for access to the system and utilization, correct?
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah, we, are, we have a lot of small and mid-sized firms on our platform, and so we really want to make sure that we're affordable. And it really goes back to the same pricing model that, that a lot of our customers are using when they're turning their legal services into legal products, which is that you you have a volume-based practice, but you make it affordable to more more folks
0: yeah so let's say we're going to keep rolling with that example where an estate planning attorney can save roughly fifty hours a month and they work eleven months a year, so that's five hundred fifty hours a year. What does it cost them to have access to this platform and use this platform for a year
1: yeah so our our platform starts at ninety nine dollars a month if you want to go month to month or eighty three dollars a month. If you go on the annual plan and then it just goes up, up on based on how many users you have, how many, whether you want certain features. Like if you want to completely white label your platform, um, you can add billing features into the platform, meaning you actually charge your customers through our platform. So we actually super transparent about our pricing. It's at, if people go to gavel.io G A V E L dot slash pricing, they, all of the information is there. We also have really awesome customer support. So with that pricing comes free unlimited assistance from our team on anything that you might need, whether it's just strategizing about what to build, uh, or whether it's actually kind of walking you through exactly how you're going to to put this into action for your for your specific firm.
0: That's awesome. What what's an average spend? Like how much does it cost to a, a, a typical client? Three, four, five yes. thousand maybe
1: for for a client on our platform. So if you're mm-hmm. on our standard plan. That's about $199 a month. Mm-hmm. So like less than $2,000 a year. Uh, but then we also have some clients who are, who are billing using our platform. And we actually have cus- customers of ours who are law firms who are billing and charging seven plus figures. And so they're making all forms of new revenue through the platform. So it's Got it. the amount that we charge for subscription fee is minuscule compared to what the opportunity is for them on the other
0: end. Yeah. So I'm going to round it down and say that you're going to be able to save 500 hours per year on paperwork. Even if your hour is worth just $100. That's 50 grand. Like right there, indirect cost. Or a quarter of your working hours per year. It's, it's an amazing platform. I hope that everyone who listens to this, like the next thing that they do is they go to gravel.io and just sign up. There's a free trial so you can check it out.
1: Absolutely. Yes. And uh, there's also a demo and uh, a calendar on that page as well. So if they want to talk to us about implementing it, we are happy to chat more. So excited to speak to many of your listeners soon.
0: There you go. Dorna, thank you so much for being on the podcast and sharing all of this.
1: Yes. Thank you so much for having me, Sasha. I've, I've loved your podcast and I think there's so many tips for, for law firms across the board that I wish I had had when I was in practice.
0: Much appreciated. Thanks for listening to the grow law firm podcast. If you liked the ideas shared in this episode, help a fellow lawyer out by sharing a link to the episode. This episode is powered by the team of experts in client attraction, growlawfirm.com. Do you want a complimentary growth plan for your law firm? Request it at GrowLawFirm.com slash Blueprint.